Just stay in your Bibles in Exodus chapter 28 because that's where we're going to do most of our reading. But Ephesians 1 verse number 4 says here, According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Someone say, I was chosen in him. You were chosen in him to be holy. Someone say, holy. Without blame before him in, everyone say, love. I want to preach today on this subject, and that subject is a call to holiness. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you, Lord, for your spirit that we fill in this house. I pray, God, that you will move upon every heart, every hearer. I pray in the name of Jesus because this is your church these are your people we are your sheep and i am your vessel so god i pray that you will anoint me oh god and help me to speak every word that comes from you lord and i pray god that nothing will come of my flesh i give you glory now in the name of jesus christ that we will leave out of here better stronger wiser than what we walked in here in jesus name we pray everybody say amen clap your hands unto the lord if you're ready to receive the word you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Exodus chapter number 28. We'll start reading at verse number one. Follow me here in your Bibles. Just to give a little context as far as where Exodus 28, where we are and where we've come from to help us understand the, the setting of what is taking place and where I would like to go this morning. We understand that God's people, the Israelites, we know that Israel comes from Jacob, Jacob who wrestled with the Lord and God changed his name from Jacob to Israel and so that's where we get the Israelites from and Jacob of course is a descendant of Abraham Isaac and then who had Jacob and so we understand and know that his people were in captivity in Egypt and as they were in captivity for all those many years finally they got to a point where they began to cry out unto the Lord and as they began to cry out unto the Lord God heard their cry and he sent them a deliverer uh, through Moses he became the deliverer and used Moses as the mouthpiece him and Aaron and so now they have been brought out of Egypt and God has delivered them with a mighty hand performing great wonders and we understand and know the 10 plagues that took place and how God used those 10 plagues to bring great glory unto him showing the Egyptians and the rest of the world that he is the only true God uh, and so he brought them out with a mighty hand they walk across the dry land of the Red Sea and as the Egyptian army followed after to them we know that the Egyptian army was swallowed up in the waters as they came after him and now here are these people that have been in bondage for all these years and now they have been set free now the thing is is that when you have lived a life and all you know is that life and your forefathers before you all they knew was bondage and slavery and when to wake up and when to go to sleep and when to do this now that they are free they need guidelines they need structure is no different than you all as parents giving your children guidelines and structure because you know one day they're going to go out on their own it is important, important 
your kids think you are as a parent, you need to continue to give them structure and boundaries in their life. They'll get to a point at some point in their life where they're going to look back and thank their mom and dad for giving them boundaries and structure. They may not understand it as a teenager. They may not understand it and be upset because they can't go over certain people's households and allow them to go wherever they want to go. But they don't know what you know. And they need to understand that and follow the guidelines and boundaries that you set before them. Uh, and so here's God. He's brought them out of Egypt and now he is setting guidelines and boundaries before them because Egypt was a type and shadow of the world. And so now that he's brought them out of Egypt or out of the world, now God has called them to be a holy people. God's people were supposed to be holy. They were supposed to be separated from the world. That when you looked at God's people, you shouldn't have to look at the world and wonder which one is God's people and which one is the world. And so now we live in a day to where now we have people that are hungry for God and now they're trying to search for who is God's people and who is of the world because we're living in a generation that's tired of fake, that's tired of phony, that's tired of people talking one way but living another way but they're looking for something that is real and authentic and I wonder do I have about 35, 50, maybe even 100 people that have a sincere desire to be real and authentic in the presence of the Lord Hallelujah. Uh, and so he's brought them out of Egypt. And so now that they've been brought out of Egypt, now they need direction. Uh, and so here God is giving them direction on how to do and how to worship him. They have to build a temple and they have to have all these things in order for them to be able to present sacrifices unto the Lord uh, because they need to bring something to God to atone for their sin. Uh, and so God is giving them instruction on how he wants everything set up. I want you to know that when you read Genesis and Exodus and even Leviticus and Numbers going into Deuteronomy, those first five books, they are very detailed. That is important to understand that when you read it, don't read it just very quickly, but read it with the understanding that we serve a God of detail and that God has not changed for the scripture says that he is God and he changes not there's also another scripture that complements that scripture that says he's the same yesterday today and forever so we live in a generation that's trying to change God they're trying to change the word of God the ways of God even the words of God I'm sorry I don't have time to argue with people that's trying to change change God that's trying to say the God of the Old Testament is not the same as the God of the New Testament you just don't know my God God is the same yesterday today and forever and his word is everlasting so if God sent something over 2,000 years ago it still remains true today 
Hallelujah. We're going to go somewhere today, but I, I want to take you on a nice little journey. Amen. Uh, and so now we understand and see as we kind of set the table is where God is now trying to give his people instruction on what to do. Why? Because he is a holy God and he needs things done in a holy manner. If there's a prayer that you want to pray every single day, you should pray this prayer. Lord, help me to be holy. I'm trying to help someone today. Uh, help me to be holy. Uh, can I take it a step further for those that are a little bit deeper in Christ? Uh, you ought to pray this prayer along with that. Help me to be holy inside and out. Uh, Lord, I know you look on the inside, but man looks on the outward. Uh, so both are important. Uh, I don't need you looking on the inside being satisfied, but you're not satisfied with my outside. Uh, but I want you to be satisfied with my in and my out so that when people see me they can see the emulation the person that emulates Christ both inside and out so that should be your prayer every single day you should want to improve yourself in your holiness both inside and out that people are drawn to you before you even open up your mouth but there's something about you that when they see you they can walk up to you and say there's something about you I don't know quite what it is but you haven't even spoken to me but I see something on you that is drawing me to you and that's when you can point people to Jesus Christ and so God wants his people to be holy and so that's where we find here in Exodus chapter number 28 we're going to start reading at verse number 21 where God is now setting up his high priests and he's wanting them to be holy inside and out so verse number 21 follow me in your bibles here if you don't have your bibles it's going to be on the screen and take thou unto thee Aaron thy brother and his sons with him from among the children of Israel that he may minister unto me in the priest office even Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, Eleazar, and Ethamar or Ethamar Aaron's sons it says and thou shalt make holy garments for Aaron thy brother for glory and for beauty the garments were to be holy not for Aaron's glory but for God's glory it says make these garments holy for glory and for beauty now drop down to verse number four it says and these are the garments which they shall make he giving detail now he says i want a breastplate i want an ephod and a robe i want a broidered coat i want a mitre a mitre is a turban if you have a translated bible it probably says turban it says a girdle a girdle is a waistband something that goes around your waist if you have a translated bible it probably says waistband and they shall make holy garments you see that again he's putting emphasis on holy holy garments for Aaron thy brother and his sons that he may minister unto me in the priest's office so God is giving specific details to the garments here saying they must be holy if they're going to be in my presence remember that is why he removed Adam and Eve from the garden because now something that was holy has become unholy because of sin and so he says a holy God cannot dwell with unholy 
people, so he had to remove them from his presence. Now, it's important to understand this. This is not in my notes. Let me just teach here for a moment. That even though they were removed from the presence of God, they weren't removed from the voice of God. Uh huh. Because God continued to speak to them even though they were unholy. Because you can be in an unholy presence or state in your life, but that doesn't mean God doesn't still want a relationship with you. Uh, because he's going to continue to talk to you so that you can come from unholiness to holiness. And so now he is giving instruction to the priests here saying that these garments must be holy in order for them to be in my presence. Verse number five, it says, and they shall take gold and blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen so he's giving great detail here of exactly how he wants it to look and the colors the uh the look of it and how holy the garments are to be now i have a picture here going to come up on the screen of the full body picture of the garments all right uh and so hopefully most of you can see this some of you may not be able to see the wording here but i'm going to walk through it here just for a moment and so we see the turban which is on top we see the gold plate we're going to get there here in a moment but we see the garment of what it potentially looked like when the high priests were wearing this garment now i want to highlight a couple things one they had two onyx stones the onyx stones were located on the shoulders of the high priest and now what was on these shoulders why it was so important was is because in each stone they had the 12 tribes of Israel and so they had the 12 tribes of Israel and they were located excuse me on each shoulder and so now they had six upon uh, the one and six upon the other and they were going to be listed in the order of their birth and so that is how they were going to be listed in order of their birth so six names was on one stone six names was on the other stone they were to bear them upon their shoulder and if you look in your bibles it will say that they were to bear them upon the shoulder as a memorial unto the lord that was the purpose of the 12 tribes of israel's being upon the shoulder now not only was the 12 tribe of israel's carried upon the shoulder but they were also upon the breastplate and so remember that these are God's people God's people were upon the shoulders as a memorial and upon the breastplate which is located by the heart because you need to know that God cares about his people he want his people to be near and dear to his heart and so now we have them up on the shoulder and we also have the 12 stones uh, that had the name of the 12 tribes of Israel also on the breastplate. Now I want you to bring up the breastplate picture please. And so on this breastplate they were also listed in order of their birth now what you must understand is is that hebrew writing is different than our writing if someone was to hand you a notepad and a pen if you will we write and we're taught in english to write from left to right but in the hebrew culture they write from right 
to left and so it's opposite and so therefore they put everything in order Reuben was the first child so Reuben is the first emerald excuse me a stone if you will that is located here and then it goes Reuben then Simeon and Levi and it goes in that order what's interesting that I want to highlight is that if it goes right to left that means you come back over to the right to come to the fourth child which the fourth child was a green emerald and his name was Judah so Judah is the fourth child and that is the emerald there that is a greenish color the fourth stone in the breastplate what's interesting about this is that the emerald is located in many different areas of the Bible. The Bible says in Exodus chapter 28, verse number 18. Look at verse number 18. It says, and the second row shall be an emerald, a sapphire, and a diamond. And remember, the names were to be in order of their birth. So Judah was the fourth, so he would be the emerald. The significance of the emerald stone is found throughout scripture. It is spoken of as one of the foundations of the new Jerusalem. We must remember that the Bible says that heaven and earth will pass away and that there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And so in the new heaven and new earth, there's going to be a new city and that city is called the new Jerusalem. Well, it talks about that in the book of Revelation chapter number 21 verse number 19 it's going to be up here on the screen the bible says and the foundations of the wall of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones the first foundation was jasper the second sapphire the third chalcedony the fourth and emerald and so we see here that the foundation of the new city has emerald in it or in other words it has judah in it the bible also talks about in the book of revelations chapter number four go back with me here it speaks of a rainbow around the throne and it is compared to an emerald. The scripture says in Revelations 4, and immediately I was in the spirit, the apostle John speaking, and behold, a throne was set up in heaven, and one sat on the throne. And he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone. And there was a rainbow round about the throne in sight like unto what? And emerald so you see an emerald in the foundation of the new jerusalem the holy city and you also see emerald around the throne why because the emerald represents judah and judah represents praise and so now we understand and know that praise should be in the foundation of our life that we should not go one day without giving god praise because he puts significance on judah the the emeralds saying it's going to be in the foundation of the new city that means every step you take you stepping on praise everywhere you go you walking on praise every direction you turn you still got to praise and today we need to have that mentality that every once you got out that bed when your feet hit the floor you should have said thank you jesus everywhere i go i need to have a praise upon my lips if it's going to be in the foundation of the new city well i might as well go ahead and practice now everywhere i go i want to lift up the name of jesus no matter what i go through i'm going to magnify the name of jesus why don't we take 60 seconds and practice right now act like you in a new jerusalem somebody magnify the lord and praise him because he's worthy to be praised
Oh, come on, 30 more seconds. Let's lift up that name that's above every name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. It's even around the throne. So every time you look upon him, you ain't got nothing to do but praise him. I tell you, every time you see his face, whoo, a hallelujah is going to come out your mouth. Every time you look that direction, you have no choice but to magnify him because now you see the one that's brought you out. You see the one that died for your sins. You see the one that gave the way, paved the way for us to have eternal life. You see the one. He's surrounded by praise. We walk on praise. And so it's important here that we understand the importance of the garments here. And the Bible lets us know. Go back to Exodus chapter 28. Go to verse number 29. The Bible says, and Aaron shall bear the names of the children of Israel in the breastplate of judgment upon where? His heart. When he goeth into the holy place for a memorial before the Lord, how often? Continually continually now I want to dig a little bit deeper here all right stay with me in verse number 30 I don't want to spend too much time here but I do want us to give us understanding of what the scripture is talking about in verse number 30 the scripture says and thou shalt put in the breastplate of judgment the Urim and the Thunum and they shall be upon Aaron's heart when he goeth in before the Lord and Aaron shall bear the judgment of the children of Israel upon his heart before the Lord continually. Urim and Thunum, and Thunum, excuse me, were stones you could not see. They were not on the outside of the garment. If you could put the full body picture up, please, just very quickly. They were not located on the outside of the garment here, but they were located inside or in the bosom of this garment. So you could not see them. Urim and Thunum. Now what's interesting here is that these stones were hidden in the bosom of the high priest. And these were stones there to release the prophetic information when a decision needed to be made. Now, Urim means light of. Thunum means perfection. So these stones that were inside of the high priest's garments represented light of perfection. So they were located on the inside and there are many theories and I've heard different people say different things about them, but I would liken it unto something that people are familiar with because I like to break things down to where everyone can understand. If you remember in the New Testament, when the apostles needed a replacement for Judas who hung himself. And the Bible lets us know that they chose two. And so of the two, they brought them before the Lord and they began to pray and ask the Lord, who should it be? And the Bible says that they cast lots. And then the lot chose who it was with the understanding that the lot was the wisdom of God. And we know it fell upon Matthias. And then he joined the other 11. So Urim and Thunum here were similar 
to that. It was the Old Testament of what the New Testament brought about in casting lots. So if you think about it in that manner, whenever there was a decision to be made because the high priest didn't only offer sacrifices, but they also offered counsel. They also made decisions that needed to be made for the people of God. And when something came up and they needed God's wisdom, that's what these stones were in there for, to give great wisdom. Now, what I love about this is, is that when you understand Urim and Thunum, the purpose of it, why the high priest had it, fast forward to the New Testament, casting of lots, we understand the principle of it, wanting the leading of God. Why did they need those things? Because they didn't have the presence of God on the inside of them. We know it as the Holy Ghost. Now, let's move forward because after the day of Pentecost, once the Holy Ghost fell and once the Holy Ghost became available, remember, the Holy Ghost was not available until after the glorification of Jesus Christ. It wasn't available. After he was glorified, now the Holy Ghost is available. Now, once the apostles have the Holy Ghost, the spirit of truth is what it's called. They don't need Urim and Thunum anymore. They don't need to cast lots anymore. Why? Because now God's presence is in them. Now the spirit of discernment is in them. Now the spirit of wisdom is in them. I'm trying to help someone here today. You ought to pray every day for a spirit of discernment. God, help me to have the spirit of discernment. Help me to have the spirit of wisdom dwelling on the inside of me so that I can be properly used in the kingdom of God. Can I take it a step further? All right, now let's move forward. Let's go all the way to 1 Corinthians. If you go, don't go, just follow me, just follow me. If you go to 1 Corinthians now, okay, and if you study, you will come to chapter number 12. Ah, man, I'm going to have to double check myself. Chapter number 12, where he's talking about the gifts of the Spirit. All right? He's talking about the spiritual gifts. Talking about the gifts of the Spirit. And the very first gift that Paul mentions, the very first gift is wisdom. If you go and read it, it's wisdom because I truly believe that if you don't possess wisdom, all the other gifts you will misuse. You can be using the gift of healing. You can be using the gift of miracles. You can be using the gift of tongues. But if you don't use wisdom with it, you'll mess somebody up. You will eventually mess up yourself. You will have people coming to you telling you things that could be from God. But if they didn't use wisdom with it and say it the right way at the right time, has anybody been told something that could be true, but they said it the wrong way at the wrong time? So therefore, you didn't receive it. It's important to pray for the spirit of wisdom. Someone say, God, give me wisdom. It is important to understand that. It is important. And now we see here, if you can give me the picture of the crown, if you move forward in Exodus chapter 28, let's go to verse number 36. Look what the Bible says here. It says, and thou shalt make a plate of pure gold and grave upon it like the engraving of a signet holiness to the Lord. And thou shalt put it on a blue lace that it may be upon the mitre. 
Remember, that's the turban upon the forefront of the mitre. It shall be so it shall be at the very front. A crown shall be there upon the turban and engraved. The signet is the engraving on that turban, on that crown, if you would, please. And on that, it should say holiness to the Lord. It says, and it shall be upon Aaron's forehead that Aaron may bear the iniquity of the holy things which the children of Israel shall hollow in all their holy gifts. And it shall be always upon his forehead. Notice that. It shall be always upon his forehead that they may be accepted before the Lord. So this garment here was taken very, very seriously. Put the full body picture up, please. Every piece of this garment was taken very seriously before God. Why? Because he wants his people to be holy. Now, I want you to notice something here. A couple things. and I want to make sure I'm not getting ahead of myself. In Exodus chapter 28, go to verse number three, please. Keep, you can keep the garment up there. Just follow me in your Bibles here. Exodus 28, verse number three. Look, look what verse number three says. It says, and thou shalt speak unto all that are wise-hearted, whom I have filled with what? The spirit of, what does that word say? The spirit of wisdom. That they may make Aaron's garments to consecrate him, that he may minister unto me in the priest office. This is how important these holy garments was that God filled certain people with wisdom in order for them to make the garments because you better believe it's not like going somewhere and they just make a couple mistakes and say oh I messed up on this garment let me just make another one. I messed up on this garment let me make another one. No God wanted everything to be precise and perfect. So he gave people wisdom in order to make the garments. The scripture lets us know in uh, Exodus chapter 28, starting at verse number 41, if you were to drop down again with me, it says, and thou shalt put them upon Aaron, thy brother and his sons with him and shall anoint them and consecrate them and sanctify them that they may minister unto me in the priest office and thou shalt make them linen breeches to cover their nakedness from the loins even unto the thighs they shall reach and they shall be upon Aaron and upon his sons when they come into the tabernacle of the congregation or when they come near unto the altar to minister where in the holy place that they bear not iniquity and die it shall be a statue forever everyone say forever it shall be a statue forever unto him and his seed. So if you have the full picture here one more time, the full body picture, we notice here that out of all this garments, we don't see anywhere where it mentions linen breeches anywhere because the linen breeches were located underneath the robe. This is very important because as they were walking up steps or when they were walking into the temple, God says, I don't want to see your nakedness unto me because once you're naked, now you have just become unholy in my eyes. This is important because the Bible says that he made them linen breeches from the loins, which is your waist, down to the thigh, which is right here at the top of your knee. So if you ever notice why we teach principles here, why when you have your dresses on or when we, I have my pants on I make sure it is covering past my knees because I don't want to reveal my nakedness before God now that's important to understand here because we live in a culture that wants to reveal their nakedness they want to show everything I can
can talk about the thigh. I can talk about our chest. I can talk about it all. But we just go deal with what the Bible's talking about here, which is our thigh. And so it's important to understand because our culture says, show more, and that's how you have beauty. But God says, no, you cover up more, and you will be beautiful in my eyes. And so I would rather be beautiful in God's eyes than in the world's eyes. And so that's why we believe in modesty, because modesty is holiness unto the Lord. Now, this is important here because the linen britches were underneath this robe. They were to make sure because when you reveal your thigh, you are considered naked in the eyes of God. Now, you may not be considered naked in man's eyes, but we don't live based off man's eyes. We live based off the word of God. So the linen britches were to cover your nakedness. Now, I want to hit on a quick point very quickly. Then I want to get back to that just for a moment that the Bible lets us know that there's bells down here down at the bottom did you notice here where the scripture says that thou shall not die we just read that just a few moments ago but it talks about thou shall not die it was important because as the people as the high priest went into the temple if they didn't do everything exactly the way God instructed them to they would drop and die they would immediately drop and die why because God wants holiness and we must honor his word and do things according to the way he wanted it done so if they didn't do it God's way it wasn't just your way or the highway no it's God's way or no way and so if they didn't do it God's way they would drop and die so the bales were on there for their own protection and so if they dropped and died there would be a little rope in there they just drag them right on out they just have a little rope tied around their ankle and if they die they said I ain't going in there to get that body we just gonna drag you right on out <laughs> come on out here we gonna have the next high priest go in there and do it God's way so if they heard the bells they knew that the high priest was still alive <laughs> my lord see we don't have to do that in our house you know in, in our house when we hear the noise we don't need bells we just hear the screaming of a bunch of kids upstairs and we know they still alive but when we hear silence or don't hear anything now we nervous amen if we don't hear them kids crying and screaming and arguing and fussing lord what are they doing either somebody done died or the holy ghost just fell in this place we go up there. No, nah, it wasn't the Holy Ghost. Praise God. Man. <laughs> Amen. Well, am I telling the truth? And so it's, it's, it's the same thing. They had to hear the bells. They had to hear the bells. And that's why the bells were located at the bottom. Now, let's get back to the linen britches because this is very important. Uh, because the Bible says when you're uncovering your thigh, you are naked before him. Now, these were high priests that, that, uh, that, that we're talking about here. And many would say, may, maybe even many of you here would say, well, they're talking about high priests. And this is the Old Testament. And what does that have to do with us in the New Testament? Why can't we reveal our thighs in the New Testament? Because we're not high priests. I want you to be very careful with that because the Bible actually calls us high priests I want you to follow me in your Bible because it's in the book uh, of first Peter chapter number two verse number nine it's up on the screen here look what it says it says but you are a chosen generation someone said that's me uh-huh you are a royal priesthood everyone say that's me you our chosen generation you are a royal priesthood now we have become the priest we have become the priest with Jesus Christ being our chief priest he's our chief high priest and now we are part of a royal priesthood we are a holy nation everyone say holy nation 
we're a holy nation then the bible calls us peculiar people that means different there's a different identity there's something different about you that means i don't look like the world act like the world dress like the world mimic the world there's nothing about me that you should say worldly but everything about me you should say holy i'm striving every single day to be holy and acceptable unto the lord and so if God sees us as royal priesthood, then we honor those same things saying, Lord, if you wanted your high priest to cover their nakedness, then I want to cover my nakedness as well. Why do this? Why strive to be holy? The Bible says it, that you should show forth the praises of your friends, that you should show forth the praises of your cousins. You should show forth the praises of your mom and dad. You should show forth the praises of everybody on social media. You show forth the praises of who? Him. Because it's him that brought you out of darkness into his marvelous light. This is how important holiness was unto the Lord. And the importance of holiness unto the Lord has not changed today. Romans chapter number 12, verse number 1. The Bible says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice what is it holy acceptable unto who god which is your reasonable it's the least you can do it's just re i'm not giving you something that is just wild and crazy isn't it crazy though how we have to uh argue with people just to cover themselves now i want you to think about that for a moment it's crazy to try to tell someone, could you, could you just cover yourself just a little bit? Yeah. Now, I want you to think about that for a moment. I'm the crazy one for teaching scripture to tell people God wants you to be holy and separate from the world. I, but I'm the crazy one for instructing people to just cover themselves and look decent and not reveal yourself and show yourself for all the world to see. There's a reason why plastic surgery uh, has gone through the roof in just the last, you know, couple decades uh, because people are unhappy with who they are and how they look. Oh, man, I'm getting away from my notes right now, but can I just preach this for a moment? People are just so unhappy on how they look and how they look, and, you know, so they just go pay a couple thousand dollars, go get a surgery, and they just fix everything up. They're just so unhappy uh, 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 about how they look. So if you don't like your nose, get a new nose. Praise God. If you don't like your ears, just get a new ear. Get new ears. It doesn't matter. You can just go spend all this money to do all these things because people are not they're trying to please themselves and man instead of trying to please God now I'm all for you looking nice you better believe I looked in the mirror about 15 times a day before I came to church I want you to be able to look at yourself and present yourself acceptable unto the Lord and know that you look good but you need to know that you look good you need to know that you look nice now I'm going to continue on I'm going to get back to my notes here in a moment but men if you have wives in this church and they're trying to live holy and acceptable unto the Lord you better tell them they are beautiful and you better not look at the next thing walking by you just because they got everything off and your eyes get to drifting off somewhere else the devil is a liar you better keep your eyes on your own woman and you tell your own woman that they look beautiful mm -hmm. 
Yeah. See, that's why we got women want to take things off because we got men's eyes wandering everywhere. So if your eyes are wandering, they begin to wonder, well, maybe I need to show myself more. You don't need to show yourself more. You're beautiful just the way you are. And if you ain't got a man that love you that way, you need to pray God changes that man. And if you're dating somebody, they don't love you the way you are, you better get out that relationship. Man, so man, you better tell your wives you look beautiful. I don't care if they got on five sweaters and they're covered up so much you can't see nothing. You better tell them I love your five sweaters. You look so good, but when we get home, you better take off them five sweaters. Praise God. Oh, I feel like preaching in here. Y'all ain't gonna talk to me in here. But God is looking for holy people, and we ought to be able to love our wives just the way they look. Well, let me keep preaching then. It's important because we want to be pleasing to God. So we putting pressure on each other to the, how to look and do all this stuff. Compliment one another. Tell them you're beautiful. And when they put on the first dress, tell them that's the perfect one. Because they go change 15 times before just to go back to the first dress. Just tell them they're beautiful. Tell them how good they look. Amen. Okay, I'll get off the men. Women, when your husband come home from work, greet him at the door. Let him know you love him. Appreciate him. Do something special for him every once in a while. Because you don't know what men go through on their jobs and what they're dealing with. You just don't know how many women are approaching them and winking at them and touching on them. All these different things that they're trying to escape from. And then when they come home, they get no attention, no love, no kiss, no nothing. You better believe that mind is wondering about that woman at work. Man, call to holiness. Let me get back to my message. I, 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 I want to help you here. I, I, I'm telling you, it's important. When they come in that door, hug them. Let, let them know that you appreciate them. Because if you don't show them you appreciate them, somebody else is showing them appreciation. So it goes the same way. Appreciate one another. Love one another. If I ain't helping nobody here, I hope I'm helping somebody at home right now. Because people are yearning. People are hungry for something greater for something more of course it's known all throughout uh, almost probably uh, at least the u.s and probably even uh, beyond the u.s i have a picture here of osbury university uh, and many of you are aware of it social media youtube is all over the place uh, where this is taking place and going on it's a private christian college for those of you that do not know and are aware and you're on social media or you just don't know what's going on uh, taking place here in Wilmore, Kentucky. It's a private Christian college is what it is. Um, it's considered a non-denominational college. However, they are affiliated uh, with the Wesleyan Holiness uh, Church. Uh, that's, what, that's their affiliation. Uh, and this is what is taking place here, and it's been going on uh, for quite some time now. Uh, and so I have a picture here. Uh, the image of people uh, that are worshiping and, and magnifying the Lord here uh, in this image. And this uh, has been going on now for over a week uh, for people uh, that are coming and they're traveling for miles uh, just to be able to get here. And they're uh, calling it a great revival uh, that is happening here at this college. And it's caused a great awakening uh, that is taking place. Uh, and I tell you what, I believe and think that this is amazing. And I give God great glory and honor for what he is doing. Amen. 
I give God great honor. I want you to keep that image up uh, for just a moment here uh, as I talk about it. But uh, it is said that uh, just reading about it and studying on it, and ever since I've heard about it, I've been praying about it, uh, asking God to continue it on as long as he sees fit, as long as he wants to. And I pray that God, it spreads across our nation. Uh, and so uh, I, was, I was reading and doing a little study on it, uh, and they said that they talked to the uh, university president, President Brown. Brown is his name. And they said, well, what took place? What happened here? Uh, and they simply said that, well, uh, one day, was, he said it was just a normal day. Uh, and uh, the they had chapel service and uh, they got up and he said a word. And they had some some worship. Uh, there was just a sermon, you know, just a normal sermon in his eyes. The, the choir sang um, and everything was normal up to that point. But then after everyone left, uh, he said that there were a couple dozen that stayed around. Uh, now, I read another place where they said it was about 30 people that stayed around. Uh, and from these 30 individuals, these 30 college kids that stayed around, all simply because they wanted more. Uh, and so they refused to leave, but they stayed because they wanted more. And because of that, more college kids begin to come back. More college kids begin to come back until now this revival has been taking place, as I said, over a week now, just nonstop worship, nonstop worship, nonstop worship. And he said that's how it started, all simply because a couple kids said we want more. And now what's interesting is, is that I was reading in another place where a Nazarene pastor, they interviewed this Nazarene pastor, and the Nazarene pastor says, this is absolutely amazing. He says, I have been stuck. He uses the word stuck. He says, I have been stuck here for three days. He says, and I'm seeing kids laid out on the floor speaking in tongues, being filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, you need to understand something here, that a Nazarene does not believe in the Holy Ghost. That's the miracle. The miracle isn't the speaking in tongues. We believe in that. The miracle is that God will use this to open up a Nazarene's pastor's eye to let them know that the Holy Ghost is real. Hallelujah. Yeah. And so what's beautiful about this is, is that simply a couple dozen kids decided we want more. And that's when the idea, the thought came to my mind. I said, God, I pray that there is a call, a revival of holiness because that is your Points. That is your agenda for your people to be holy, that you have chosen us before the foundation of the world to be holy, that you are calling people to be separate from the world, unapologetic and unashamed. And I wonder and I wonder under the sound of my voice if there were people both young and older in this congregation that would have the mindset of these 30 individuals that would have a heart of lingering that it doesn't matter what takes place today that I've got a desire to touch God I'm telling you that this thing is spreading all over our country and why not it happen right here in the city of Lafayette because we have people that are hungry for more than just an ordinary touch but we want people that are hungry for a sincere word from God Hallelujah. 
Amen. And I want to encourage some people here today that if you are hungry for Lord, for the Lord, he's hungry for you. That what you need from him, he will do it for you. What comes to my mind right now is that I was preaching at another church and they were considering me as their pastor. And I remember a lady walking up to me that was in her 60s at the time, I believe. She was probably in her late 60s, mid to late 60s. And she said, Brother Robinson, you would be perfect for this church. I said, well, thank you, ma'am. I appreciate that. She says, no, you need to understand. Our young people need your voice. You would be great for our young people, for our young adults. They need to see someone like you and your family living for God so that they can emulate that in you. I said, well, thank you very much. But then it goes down here from here. She says, you know, because us older folks, we're already set. We're already okay. We're already set in our ways. I said, well, okay, ma'am. And I just walked away from there. I said, Lord, I never want to pastor people that say I am set in my ways. We should have a sincere hunger. I don't care if you've been in this thing all your life. I don't care if you've been in here just for three days. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how young you are. You have not made it. I'm going to say it one more time. You haven't made it. So you can sit there with your arms crossed all you want. I want Jesus. I want Jesus. I want a sincere touch from the Lord. Hallelujah. I've got two men that's catching on to it. I've got a few men that's catching a vision. I want the Lord to move in my life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's the wrong attitude to have. You should never approach God that way. Well, how was she approaching God that way? Because she was approaching the house of God that way. And when you come into this house, it's God's house. It's not my house. It's God's house. So when I come into God's house, I expect his presence. And when I come into his presence, I don't expect to leave the same way. Does anybody have a sincere desire to want more of Jesus? Can we take 30 seconds and just lift our hands and magnify the Lord together in here? So I'm preaching about a call to holiness. What is holiness, preacher? It's separation from the world. I'm looking for people that are tired of just going through the same motions and you're wanting to be separated from this world. I'm telling you, if you want to be separated from the world, then you ought to show the Lord right now with your hands raised. If you want to be holy unto the Lord, you ought to show the Lord right now with your hands raised. I know the preacher is asking you to lift your hands, but I'm telling you, it is a sign unto the Lord. Somebody here today needs to say, I want to be holy, Lord. I want to be 
holy, Lord. I want to be separate, Lord, inside and out. I want to have a desire to have more of you. I don't want to leave here the same way, but I want more. I want more of your presence.